Good morning. It's good to have you all here this morning. So glad you made it out. We are continuing and actually concluding our series, Reality Check, going through the book of James. If you need a copy of the scriptures, raise your hand and someone will run one down to you. Keep your hand up while they go and get that for you. And as we conclude this series, we're actually ending where we started. Remember when James began, we talked about who James is. He's the half-brother of Jesus. And he started with this very just powerful presentation of how he lives his life. And and he, he said at the beginning, count it all joy when you fall into different trials of various kinds. And we talked about how can you do that, but we looked at who James was and how he was actually seeing something taking place past the difficulties that we encounter. And so today what we're going to be talking about is how do we deal with various trials and persecutions and difficulties? We're going to see how are we supposed to respond to these things. And I got to tell you that the response that James tells us is probably not one that you're going to like. It wasn't one I liked. I I was kind of hoping for something else. But before I start to get critical and think, well, that's not what I would say, I remember who James is, where he was, and what he was going through. And it gives him credibility. Here is a person in Jerusalem writing to the Jews there in Jerusalem, those who are followers of Christ now, those who are being persecuted for their faith. Remember in the book of Acts when the persecution came and Christians started being imprisoned and put to death for their faith, they scattered. James stayed. And there were others that stayed, but they are going through intense persecution. They have lost their ability to uh, care for themselves, their means for making a living. They have been divided as families, as some have been in prison. Some have lost their lives. And so he is talking from a place where he deserves our attention. He has the right to speak about this because he's living it. And so chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 7. And the first two words really are his answer. He says, be patient. You guys like that? That is his answer. Be patient. Now, wait a second. Patience is what you have to do while you're waiting for the answer. That's my thinking, right? When I'm patient, I'm waiting for something. I'm patiently waiting. And so patience isn't the answer. It's what you do while you're waiting for the answer. I I want something more. But James doesn't say anything more regarding this. He says, be patient. And then you say, well, how long are we supposed to be patient? Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. What? (laughs) How long? I, I don't know about you guys, but I am not prone to patience. I'm not someone, for me, patience is 
having to wait three cars before I get to the Starbucks to order, okay? That's patience. And I, do I park and walk inside or do I stay in the line? That, you know, for me, that's patience. I'll wait an extra five, ten minutes because I'm showing a lot of patience. Or, or maybe patience is, you know, well, I have got to wait till you know, I get paid on the 15th. That's patience. I'm going to wait two weeks because I blew the first paycheck already. And now I've got to wait for two weeks for the next one. I'm showing a lot of patience and I'm eating top ramen a lot. So for me, patience is very, I see an end in sight. I, I'm patient until next week or next month. I mean, oh my gosh, if I have to wait a year, are you serious? I can't wait that long. But, but James says, you're to be patient until the coming of the Lord. That seems like an awful long time. And part of what he is saying to us here is the solution that you're looking for is only going to be found there and then. The tribulations that they were experiencing and the tribulations that some of us are experiencing will not be found until the coming of the Lord. Now, I don't know if that puts you at ease or makes you uneasy. And how can James just tell us be patient until the Lord comes. It's something that causes us to just maybe have a little anxiety inside us because the circumstances that we go through can be so painful. They can be so difficult. They can be so hard that what we want more than anything is just deliverance. I want to get out of this. And so telling me to be patient is not really what I want to hear. And then telling me, be patient till the coming of the Lord. It's like, are you serious? And then he gives us an illustration that really doesn't help if you're feeling anxiety. He says, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. Anything, whenever someone says the farmer, I immediately say, what does that mean? Okay, a farmer, you know, I, I'm a city boy. You know, where, where I get my chicken... You know, at Vaughn's, I, I don't pull feathers out. I, I, I don't do those kinds of things. And this idea of a farmer is really very picturesque because you think what a farmer has to do to get those crops. Well, I mean, I'm not a farmer, so I, I don't really know. But I know he's got to toil the land, right? There's a word, toil. And that word already sounds, who wants to toil? Anyone? Let's go toil. It's like, no, I'd rather not toil. I'd rather recline, you know. <laughs> you can toil, I'll recline. Or I'll drive. I'll drive to Vaughn's and get the chicken. You toil. But you have to get the land fertile and, and toiled and all those things, and you have to put the grooves in the land where you plant the stuff, you know, the seeds the eggs, whatever you plant, you know, the things that you plant in the ground to, to get it to grow. And, and then after you plant those things, you have to cover the dirt. And I know they got machines and tractors and things that do those things. But then after they do that, 
you don't just get to go, right? Hey, cool, we toiled, we planted, party. All right, everyone, you know, let's go home and let's recline for the next month. No, every day you have to go and make sure it's watered. You have to scare the crows away. You Stuff like that. I mean, you're, you're, you have to milk the cows. I don't know what that has to do with the toiling, but you, you, all I know is the movies every morning at 5 a.m., the farmer's got to get up and he has to go outside and it's cold and, and the bank is trying to foreclose on the farm, you know, and it's just all these things are happening and they're trying to get through. But it's a lot of work and the farmer doesn't see anything for long time, maybe months. And even when he starts to see it, he doesn't get the benefit of it. It still has to grow. It has to grow to completion before he can then harvest it. And even that's work. And so once he says, a farmer, I just like go, oh, ow, that's work. But a farmer has to wait for the land to yield its crop, patiently waiting for autumn and spring rains. And now he has to wait, and especially at this time, they didn't have the irrigation systems that we have available. They had to wait for the rain. And that's requiring you to be at the mercy of God. So you have to patiently wait for the mercy of God. You're going through something difficult and James says, be patient and wait for the mercy of God. You too, even though you're not a farmer, this is an example for you. Be patient and stand firm. Now that word stand firm might say in your translation, establish your hearts or strengthen your heart. And it has the idea of recalibrating your heart kind of setting it up so that it's reading things right. You know, some of the apps that you have on your phone, if they're any kind of a GPS or something, every now and then it tells you to calibrate it. You guys have that? And you have to do this with your phone. It's like make a figure eight. Anyone? You guys know what I'm talking about? Can I get someone to say, yeah, you're not crazy. Uh, (laughs) You have to adjust the phone so that it can pick things up right. It has to have its bearings so that it can make the adjustment and be able to give you the right information. Well, we have to recalibrate our hearts so that we can read things the right way. And especially when we are emotionally just being driven to the ground, when we are being taxed, when we are laboring to hold on, when things are difficult If we don't recalibrate our hearts, we will get the wrong perspective, the wrong impression about God and about life. And we can get very depressed and become very defeated. See, God is still up to something, but we just don't see it. And we need to wait for it. We have to hang on and and wait for those things because the Lord's coming 
is near. And again, he points to this idea that the Lord's coming is near. Now, if you're like me, you'll ask the question, this was written 2,000 years ago. You kind of missed it, James. How can you say the Lord's coming is near and here we are 2,000 years later? Now, I know you're not supposed to ask questions like that, but I just did for all of you, okay? So you can thank me later. Because I know you probably thought about, oh, we don't ask those questions. Shh, no, just accept it. No, I, wait a second, what's going on? Now, how could James be so just forward in this, that the Lord's coming is near? How, how could he make such a statement? Well, remember, he saw Jesus leave. So it's not like us, you know, we're reading about these things. He saw it take place. And that's why everyone throughout the New Testament says, the Lord's coming is near. The Lord's coming is near. Why? Because he just left. You see, when I go somewhere, or my wife goes somewhere, I'm hoping she's coming back. (laughs) It depends how much money she has and where she's going, I guess. But I'm hoping she's coming back. And the whole idea is she left. I saw her leave. I'm expecting her to return. They saw Jesus leave. They were expecting him to come back. It was a reality to them. And he's not wrong here saying that his coming is near. His coming is close. And whether it's his actual return or us going to be with him, the reality is there. The truth of the matter is there. It's the eminent return of Jesus Not the immediate return, the eminent. It means it is certain it is going to happen. When? We don't know, but it's near. And again, he's putting us into this mindset that it is near because that is when we get the relief. That is when the change fully takes root. That's when there is clarity in the things that we experience. C.S. Lewis says, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. There, there is something within us that is young, yearning for peace, longing for rest, wanting the trial, the difficulty to be over. And we wait, and it will come. Be patient. When is it going to come? Well, like the farmer has to wait for everything to take root and then to grow, it will come because the Lord's coming is near. And you see, this might not be comforting to us because it's not soon enough and it's not a date and it's not the concrete answers what we want, but what it is is the recalibration of our focus and helping us to see the truth that the Lord's coming is near, that you have not been abandoned. You are not alone. He has not forgotten you. His return, it's near. So what do I do? What do I do in between this time and when he returns? Be patient. Be patient. And then he tells us in verse 9, and don't grumble. Now, why do you think he says that? Want me to answer it? Because we grumble, okay? That's why he tells us, don't grumble. Why? Because we grumble. What do we grumble about? Everything. 
I grumble about the fact, you know, that this is, you know, costs too much and I don't have enough time for this. And then there are more serious things that maybe you're going through. And you start complaining about your health or the health of your child or that you're having to file bankruptcy or that you just lost your job. And we start to grumble. And he's telling us not to grumble. And it's kind of interesting. He says, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge standing at the door, he's coming near. If you don't guard your own heart and how you deal with it, you know, that idiot. You see what he did to me? Oh, he's, you know, he's going to get his. I'm going to give him his, you know. You're grumbling and complaining against each other. And remember, last week we talked about those who were, were well-to-do, those who had wealth were actually using their power and using it against those who were in conditions of, who were impoverished. And so he's talking to those brothers now. He just blasted those who had the money. If you were here last week, remember that. But now he's talking to those who are being persecuted, and he says, don't grumble. Don't complain because you have a judge. In other words, you're still responsible for how you behave. And so recalibrate your heart, recognize your responsibility. And then he gives us another example, brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Remember, he's he's talking to a Jewish audience. So he gives them the example of the prophets, those who spoke in the name of the Lord. And he's doing this because many of the prophets, as they would declare something, people said, you're full of baloney. I mean, no one believed Jeremiah. Babylons, Babylonians. We're God's people. We don't have anything to worry about. No, but I'm telling you, it's coming. There's going to be judgment. God's going to take us and give this land to someone else, and he's going to use them. And everyone said, throw them in a pit. Jeremiah, you're idiot. But then it happened. And so he was validated. Why? Because at the time, no one believed him, but in the end, they saw that it was true. And and so he's using them as an example. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. And so now they are looked at and they are held in high esteem. Why? Because they told the truth and they held on to the truth. They believed it until the end. They, they didn't give up on it. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart. There's that, calibrate your heart, be established and wait for the Lord. Have that assurance. Think about it. The people you know who have gone through difficult times and have come out doing well, do you look at them and say, oh man, those idiots? Or or do you see them as people who have actually deserved recognition? You esteem those people who have gone through things and come out the other side. Why? Because they showed perseverance. They were established. They were steadfast through this time. And so they became a person who you look at and say, wow, they they did it right. They did well. They didn't give up. What happens in life, in any area of life, when you're not patient? 
What happens if you're not patient when you fish? You don't catch fish, right? That's why you don't fish. You know, go drink four cups of coffee and then go stand there. What do I do now? Just stand there. Isn't it beautiful? You know, I got to do something. I just can't stand here. You, if you're not patient, you're not going to catch the fish. What happens in baseball if you're not patient when you're up at the batting box? You, you're not going to hit the ball. If you swing at everything, you, you've got to be patient. And in business, if you invest in something, you don't just cash it in. You have to give it time to mature. You have to be patient. And every aspect, Every facet of life, you need to show patience to get the benefit of those things. And the same thing is true with our souls. We need to show patience so that we can receive the benefit, so that we can be better because of that. And then the second part of verse 11, he says, You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen the way the Lord Finally, I highlighted that word, brought about. What the Lord finally brought about. Job is the premium example with all that Job went through. And instead of me going into this about Job, I want to show a little video that I think highlights this very well. So we're going to watch another short video just about this. I would hate for anyone to think that I am minimizing what you are going through. To try and make less the pain that you feel and are experiencing. But to recognize that we see this much of a picture that is this big. And that we would be able to calibrate our hearts to knowing what James says here in the end of verse 11, that the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Ultimately, the solution for pain in this world is not going to be found in this world. And so Peter writes, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some men understand slowness, and instead, he is patient. Patient with what? Patient with you. It's, those words are really important because we tend to think of this as regarding someone else, but he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. That's speaking of us. But everyone to come to repentance. God doesn't want you to miss his love. God doesn't want you to falter because of what you are going through. And a lot of times people who say, well, I just can't believe in God because of all the pain that is in the world. Well, all you have proven, if that's what you're holding on to, is that God, as you want him to exist, doesn't exist. In other words, you, you've kind of said, this is, my, this is my requirements. This is my desire. This is my, if you want to fill this position, this is the job description, God, that I want you to fill. And you're right, God doesn't fill that 
description. And we find ourselves like Job. We, we make these ideas of what life should be and how things are going to be, and then we find out that we really don't have the answers. We really don't know very much at all. And so we find ourselves at God's mercy and a recognition that maybe more is happening than I'm aware of. And there's only one thing worse than disappointment with God. And perhaps, honestly, that's how you're feeling. Things aren't going your way, so you're disappointed with God. God, I thought things would be easier, but what's worse than disappointment with God is disappointment without God. You see, because the pain doesn't go away, the the tragedy doesn't go away, but when God is gone, the hope goes away. And what James is telling us and what God is telling us through James is that there is hope. Be patient. It's not over yet. Be patient. And if you're like me, sometimes maybe you'll you'll respond, well, you don't know what I'm going through. And you can list the things that are devastating your life. I remember years ago when I traveled to China, I've shared this story before, I I met with a man who was in prison for 10 years because of his faith in Christ. 10 years. Think of where you are right now and think of the last 10 years of your life being taken away just because you were a follower of Jesus. Separated from your family. Separated from your friends, from the things that you love to do. Your freedom is gone and now you are in a prison cell just because you believe in Jesus. And I got to meet with him and talk with him through an interpreter. And I was trying to find out, so how did you feel being imprisoned? You know, them putting you in prison. I mean, were you upset? And he would say, oh, yeah, but you know what? God did some amazing things when I was in prison. Well, how, how did you, did you miss your family? Oh yeah, I missed my family so much. But you know what happened? All the guards who would watch me, they became followers of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? And I've never seen someone with so much joy. And, and it just puzzled me. How can you be so happy? Don't you understand what you've been through? He did. He lived it. Yet he had joy. Why? Because he was patient, waiting on the Lord, knowing that the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And he experienced that because he was calibrated to be able to see things right. And so I pray that we would be calibrated that we would be established in our hearts to know that whatever we are going through, you haven't been forgotten. God knows where you're at. And he would speak to us. Be patient. Let's pray. Father, patience is difficult for me. 
I want to fix things. I want to see the end result. I want to push until something changes. And it's a hard thing for me to sit back and recognize that you are still at work even when life is not going the way I would like. Even when there is tragedy in my family. Even when there is heartache. Even when there is disease and sickness. Lord, I I cry out to you and I want to know why and I want to have the answers. May I be satisfied with my Father's voice that tells me, be patient. May our hearts find rest in you. For it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.